Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. This morning we're going to uh, keep going off what Pastor James talked about last week. And if you weren't here last week, Pastor James Murray from Sydney, Australia spoke an incredible message on some of the things that are foundational to us having a life that is growing in Christ, that effectively a life that represents one that is being discipled, a life that is growing in all that God has for us. One of the points that he had in there, we're going to continue on with today, but we're going to speak out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Let me read it and then we'll pray and get into it. It says this in the NIV, it says, speaking of the church, this is speaking about the very early first group of people that were identified as the church, the body of people that believed in Jesus. So this about them, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property they, they sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Let's pray and then let's get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you that we get to be here today. We get to come around your word. You say that your word does not return void. So, Father, whatever I say that gets in the way, God, I thank you that we can trust that as your word goes forward, you will speak. Ultimately, you will speak. So we pray that every single one of us walks out today with an encouragement, a challenge, God, an awareness of the things that you're doing in and through our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Is anyone creative in the kitchen? I like to think of myself as creative in the kitchen. Nikki would say that I'm just a wild, loose cannon, uh, it's creativity. It's an outlet for me. Uh, what I'm not good at doing is following instructions or recipes. They're tedious. They're boring. You have to read. Picture books would be fantastic. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I realize that they requires more detail. And I, I do things that maybe aren't too conventional. For example, uh, I'll do something that, much to Nikki's disgust when she found out, like get a steak. You know, I like steak. And get peanut butter. Oh, I like peanut butter. And I'll get the raw steak and I'll coat it in peanut butter and I'll cook it. Because satay, right? That's, is that the same thing? Satay? What could go wrong? I'll, I'll chuck all sorts of things in mashed potato. Nikki, it's always a hit and miss when I do mashed potato. Sometimes she goes, man, what did you put? This is incredible. Garlic powder. Other times she'll sit there and go, what did you put in this? I, we, it was mashed potato. How hard could it be? And it's because I, I, I like to be inventive. I like to try things. One of my less successful moments in the kitchen was before I met Nikki. So just so to just resolve her of any responsibility in this matter. It was a few years ago when I was a young adult pastor here at Life across our then three campuses, and I decided to get our team together for dinner. So I invited the whole team around to my flat, and I said, don't worry, guys, it's winter. I'll cook. I'll do soup. How hard can it be? I'm on a budget. I'm 24 years old. Soup seems easy. So I got out the slow cooker. I went to the supermarket, Green Lane Countdown. I walked in. I got some carrots. I got some celery, 
celery and soup. Celery. I got some celery. I got some mushrooms. Uh, and then I saw that rare brown onions were on special. So I got a bag of brown onions. So four or five carrots, a few mushrooms, some celery, brown onions, and I think some potatoes. I went home and I chopped them up and I got them and I chopped up all the carrots, all the potatoes, all the celery, and a good portion of the big bag of brown onions. I put them in the slow cooker and I thought, right, soup. Water. So I poured the water in. And that's where I stopped. I proceeded to turn on the slow cooker. Now, what I haven't told you is that in my head, slow cooker, the longer it goes, the more flavor comes out. All right, I got two days until the dinner. I'll put it on now. So by the time they come, the flavor has really drawn out into this water. Because soup, right? So the day comes, everyone comes around. There's probably about 12 people at my house, a couple of pregnant people, a few people coming in and sit around the table and I go to serve up the soup. And I open what can only be described as the contents of a swamp. And a layer of slime as I put the spoon in came out as I realized that the onions had just become one with the water. So proud was I that I put it into the bowls, not really paying attention to the faces of my team who were sitting there, some with horror, some preparing themselves for what was to come, and others with what can only be described as pity. Very quickly, one of the pregnant ladies told me that there was no way under God's green earth that she was going to be eating that, which opened the floodgate for everyone else also opting to order Uber Eats and McDonald's. Right, But so proud was I, so committed to my soup that I powered through half a bowl before going upstairs to return it to where it once came. Instructions are important. Thank goodness that chefs follow recipes. Thank goodness that builders follow blueprints. And I have learned that there is a reason that we follow the methodology and the plans that are laid out for us to get what? The intended result. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 is a blueprint. This is the early church. This is laying out what did the early church prioritize? What did it look like? From the very people that had been discipled by Jesus, given the mandate to go and disciple the nations. And this is the first picture that we get of what the model of church, meaning the gathering together of the people who call themselves Christians, who are there to disciple and be discipled, looked like. And so it's important for us to have a look at it and go, what are the key things that they focused on? Because although cultural context may change, godly principles do not. So let's have a look at it and let's unpack some of the things. First of all, it says this. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled in awe of many wonders, signs, and miracles. All the believers were gathered together and every, had everything in common. They sold the positions 
to give to anyone who needs. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and every, uh, and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily. What are the key ingredients that we can pull out of this chapter? Well, the first one is this, that they were committed to the teaching of the word. First and foremost, it was about coming around and coming under the teaching of the Word of God. You want to know who Jesus is? You want to know how to live like Jesus, how to step into all that Jesus has with you? It starts with His Word. And so there was a commitment early on to come around. And this is why on a Sunday we come and we share 25 to 30 minutes where together we come around the Word. That's why connect groups aren't just social clubs, but we come around and go into the Word. That's why the Word is meant to be a central part of our faith. The second thing we see them do is they committed to the teaching of the Word. The next thing is fellowship, or what we might call community. They were committed to each other. Acts 2.23 says, and fellowshiped in the breaking of bread. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. They came together. There was a commitment to each other. So commitment to the word, commitment to each other, to this word fellowship. They were committed to prayer. We read in the word that they were committed to praying daily, praying together that the power, they recognized the power and importance of prayer. Martin Luther said it like this. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. They understood the value of prayer. Next, they understood the value of generosity. They were a generous church. Word says that they sold what they had. They gave to those in need, not out of a compulsion, not out of rules and regulations, but out of the overflow of what they had encountered, that they were a generous church. They were a church that praised, worshipped, that came together to lift up God in His rightful place, to put Him above all else, to praise, to elevate God to His right stature in their life. They understood the value of praise. And then finally, they were committed to reaching, reaching others. The Bible says that they, the Lord added to their number daily. Well, how did that happen? Did the Lord just bring people along? Well, maybe occasionally, but we can read just a few chapters back how that happened. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Peter and he what? Preached. He declared. He spoke the Word of God he shared the gospel and people were saved. So they were committed to the teaching. They were committed to each other. They were committed to prayer. They were committed to generous living, to praising and worshiping God and to reaching others. And this is the blueprint that we have. And all of us will have different things that we love. Some of us will lean into different aspects of that more based on personality. Some of you will love prayer. Man, I just wish we could come to church and just, just if we could just pray, things would change. And that's true. Some of you will love the teaching of the Word, will love worship. Some of you will not love elements of it. But the point being that all of those things make up the ingredients of what we as a people, not the church as the organization, not the church as the service, but the church as you and I together need to incorporate to what? Grow as disciples of Jesus. So today we're going to have a look at one of these things in particular. 
And we're going to sit on it off the back of Pastor James's message last week. And that is this idea of they were committed to each other. They were committed to this word, fellowship. Ever notice how in the New Testament, when it talks about believers or they're talking about Christians, it's always using metaphors that put us together. John talks about the fact that we're all part of the true vine. Romans and Corinthians, Ephesians all talk about us as being a body together. Peter talks about us being a nation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom together. And 1 Timothy talks about us being a family or a household. It is always spoken in the context of the community together. Never in the New Testament or very rarely in the New Testament is something spoken to us as individuals. It is always spoken in the context of us as the community, as the fellowship. The Greek word here for fellowship, and you're going to have to say this with me in a minute, is koinia. And really what that word means is it, it is a word that describes the commitment of sharing in. So not fellowship as in being around each other, not fellowship as in just sitting next to each other in church, but a commitment to sharing in one another. It's a commitment not just to sharing in the physical relationship with one another, but it's the commitment to sharing in someone's spiritual journey, someone's family journey, someone's aspirations. It is the commitment to fellowship in all aspects and have a commitment to sharing in each other's journey. So the Bible says that they made a commitment daily to share in each other's lives, to share in each other's words, not just be acquaintances with one another, not just know a name, but to commit to being a part of each other's lives and a part of each other's world in a very, very intimate way. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to fellowship, koinia, to community. Here at Life, when we talk about a church that we want to be a church of disciples and a church that has a discipleship culture, we're going to say there's kind of three things that, three phases that people need to go through to really be a part of a community that will help foster their relationship with God in a really healthy way, disciple them. We say it's about belonging. First of all, having spiritual friends. Spiritual friends meaning friends that also believe what you believe. It's not saying that you don't have friends outside of this place. Absolutely, 100%. But there is an importance to having friendships and community, kunia, with people that also believe what you believe that can encourage you in that journey. We say it's about Believing, having sacred moments, sharing sacred moments together and about building, finding divine purpose. The reality is that you can't find fellowship alone. We don't find fellowship at the end of a podcast. We don't find fellowship with each other in our quiet times. If we have fellowship with God, but not with each other, not the fellowship that we're talking about here. Fellowship has to exist in the context of person-to-person relationships where I'm able not to just to be around you, not just to be aware of you, but to choose to share, to have a share in who you are, to be committed to who you are, to your journey. And when you find it, amazing things take place. And I want to run through some incredible things that happen when we find communities and when we get to a place as individuals in the body of Christ where we are committed to the sharing, to the fellowship with each other. First of all, we find that there are people when we step into that that are committed to our encouragement, committed to encourage us. 
encourage us and not tear us down. Speak life into who we are. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be good and helpful so that the words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Encourage them. Christian community that reflects that of the kingdom, that reflects that of the church that we're trying to build, the people that we're trying to be, is a community that encourages, speaks life. A community that encourages us in our faith, encourages us in our prayer, encourages us on the days that we turn up to church and we don't want to worship and thank God that we have worship leaders that step up and encourage us to engage with God. Sometimes we might sit there and we're like, oh, just, today I'm just, I'm just going to worship by just being here. I'm just in your presence, God. I just, I just need to be here. And then you have someone come up and they go, no, no, I'm going to encourage you. David comes up and he goes, I'm going to encourage you. Why don't you lift your hands? Let me encourage you that the only thing that you need to qualify you to worship God is the breath in your lungs. Thank God for encouragement in our Christian walk. And we need to be in community so that we can be encouraged, encouraged not just in the things of this world. You can get encouragement from a lot of places, but encouragement in the things of God. Encouragement ultimately that doesn't point towards person or process or position, but encouragement that points to Jesus that reminds us of where our help truly comes from. Second thing that we get in a Christian community is empowerment. Great Christian community is committed to empowering you, not competing with you. That puts winds in your sails, that when God is doing things in your life or you've got a new opportunity or you have to say, goodbye to one thing, to step into the next thing that has, God has for you. It doesn't go, well, why are you doing that? Or you shouldn't do that or don't run too fast. But it goes, man, I'm going to put wind in your sails and I'm going to encourage you into all that God has for you. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Don't make it about me and how am I getting here, but man, what is God doing in your life and how can I empower you? How can I lay, come with the laying on of hands and fan into flame the things that God has put on your life? Empower you not with just the things of this world, but empower you with the Holy Spirit. Christian community will restore you. Galatians says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, Sin meaning if someone is caught doing that what is not of God, taking wrong decisions, doing things that are against God's will, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. Not just restore them, but restore them gently. Watching yourself that you don't yourself be tempted, carrying each other's burdens in a way that will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. But good Christian community will restore you. What does that mean? That means when you're going through it, you don't have to come and hide it. You don't have to try to keep it aside, but you get to bring it knowing that the people that I'm doing life with I'm going to act in the same spirit of Christ, which is one that said, I will lay 
down my life to see you raised up. And we've got to be people that are committed to the restoration of each other. And finally, great Christian community will carry you. There will be times in your life where you need to be carried. The difference for Christians is where you're carried to. In Mark chapter 2, there's this incredible story of this group of friends. Jesus is speaking in a house and it's packed and they've got a friend that can't walk. He's paralyzed. And so the Bible says that these four friends or this group of friends get him on a mat and they carry him and they can't get into the house. So they carry him onto the roof of the house. And so desperate are they to get this person to Jesus. They dig through the roof and they lower him to Jesus' feet. An incredible miracle takes place. But there will be times in our life where you need to be carried. And we need people that will carry us not just anywhere, but they will carry us to the feet of Jesus. And if you're in hurt locker right now, if you're in the pain, if you've got things going on, and you're not in Christian, if you're not in great community, if you're not in fellowship, not just in church, but if you're not in fellowship, if you're not doing life to people, if people aren't sharing in that journey, if people aren't sharing in your life, it makes it very hard for them to carry you in the times that you greater need. We carry each other practically. We carry each other with encouragement. We carry each other with practical needs. We carry each other in prayer. But let me give you just kind of one key thought here. Because the blueprint for a healthy church is all those things. And one of them is community, fellowship, koinia, the sharing in each other. When we get that, we get encouragement, empowerment, restoration, and people who carry us. But for a lot of Christians, we struggle to get to a place where we are truly engaged in more than just attendance, but true fellowship. Hebrews 10 is a warning to the Jewish Christians of the day, potentially maybe even some of the people that we're talking about in that first scripture who were so committed. And it says, don't give up the meeting together as some have had the habit of doing. Another translation says, don't neglect. Don't give up meeting as some have neglected to do. That tells me that even 2,000 years ago, there were things competing. That lack of time, the other priorities, that stresses of this life are not a new thing to this age. That ultimately it is a choice to neglect something or to focus on it. And so let me just leave you with this challenge and this thought. The greatest currency, the greatest resource that you and I have in our life when it comes to building strong, healthy fellowship 
is not our time. You will become time poor. If you're not now, you will become soon. I have a two-year-old. I've learned the new meaning of time poor. You have a busy job. You're time poor. It's not time. The greatest resource, the greatest thing at your disposal to build great relationship is not time. It's attention. It is not how much time we spend together, it's the attention that we give the time that we have. Mila has every Monday for I don't know how long, probably almost a year, woken up on a Monday morning and we FaceTime her grandparents in Arizona. It's the one time a week we're all available because her granddad works shift work, time zone work. So they rush home from church in America on a Sunday afternoon to get to our Monday morning. And for an hour a week, they sit on FaceTime while Mila does her morning routine. And they're just present. They just give her attention. They don't talk to us much. They don't have TV going on in the background. They're not doing other chores. They just come and they just sit. It is incredible to see the level of relationship that she has with people on the other side of the world. The dialogue that she gives them, the love that she has for them, the trust she has in them. Not because they have lots of time, but because she has their full attention. There are many of us that surround ourselves with people constantly and even in church we come in and we sit around people and we recognize people we have quick conversations in the foyer and we may have time but we don't have attention even in our relationship with God we can give him lots of time but sometimes we don't give him a lot of attention of being present we spend our life and our relationships, one hand on our phone, checking, looking, wondering what's next. But when it comes to building great relationships, great connect groups, great teams, great fellowship, great support bases, it's not about the amount of time. It's about being present. It's about the attention that we give. So let me just encourage and today I just want to encourage us in this as a church around this idea of fellowship and just encourage us around what level of attention are you giving to fellowship are you in a connect group it's probably the best way if you can't join a connect group because you don't have the time could you join a team once a fortnight, once every three weeks, once a month, come in and serve alongside people just as a way of getting around each other to be able to build relationship. If you don't have a team, then maybe join a short course that goes for four weeks so we do a Bible study or a teaching. If you can't join a short course, maybe commit to coming to church 20 minutes earlier and staying for 20 minutes after with the commitment of meeting one person before and one person post. And if all else fails, 
we have this beautiful time in our service called a meet and greet. Can I tell you, two minutes can change your world if we're intentional. And so my encouragement and my challenge this morning is how's your world when it comes to fellowship? How are you with it? Are you intentional about encouraging? Are you intentional about empowering? Are you intentional about restoring those in your world? Are you intentional about being available to carry others? Have you put the time in and the attention needed to form a fellowship of community that'll see you grow in your faith? That'll create a discipleship culture where it's not one person to many, but it is many feeding to one person each helping each other on our path to becoming more like Christ. Are you available this morning? And if not, or if you feel like it is not where it could be, can I encourage you this week to sit down either with your spouse or by yourself or with a friend? Look at your time, but more than your time, look at where your attention is and make a commitment either in the environment that you have or find a new environment, like I said, groups, teams, whatever it is, to position yourself around people where you can be intentional about building a great relationship. So let me pray for you. We're going to finish up. And off the back of this, if if you're not in a connect group or you want to join a team, you want to get around people that are going to help establish in you a life that fosters discipleship and fosters the things that God has for you. And you don't know where to start, then this Next Steps Lounge to our left, come in there, have a chat. Come join a team. Come be a part of something where you go, I'm going to put this this little time aside where I can be intentional. I can give my attention to doing life with others. And we would love to be able to join and help you in that. But come on, would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for us and then Pastor David's going to come. But Father, I thank You that You gave us a game plan. God, You've set out a blueprint. And God, that's not a good suggestion. That's what You say to do. That's Your command. To love one another, that the world would know that we are Yours by the way that we love each other. So Father, I pray in this world that is, God, so torn apart. God, I pray in this world that is so busy. God, this world that lives so much at the surface level and is so focused on me and mine. God, that we would be, as your people, a people that are committed to sharing in each other's journey. Committed to true fellowship. Committed to encouraging each other and empowering each other. To raising each other up and to carrying each other's burdens. And Father, right now I pray for any person in this place, in this room that feels that they may be surrounded by people, but they're not in fellowship. God, that you would speak just really simply to them about something that they can do. God, that you would, as they obey that nudge, that you would open up incredible relationships that don't just sit at the surface, but God, have an intentionality to go deep. God, to nourish each other and to disciple each other, to point each other towards you. So Father, I thank You for every single life that comes through these doors and in Your church. 
And God, we pray that as we continue to walk towards You, that You would surround us with people that we can be a blessing to and that will bless us. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga. Or why don't you join us at Church Online? To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.